start us out today. Are you recording? Probably. Good morning, good night, and good afternoon. Whatever whatever it is for you at this good time. Good morning, good afternoon, and if I don't see you, good night. Welcome to Destination Wedding Pod. I'm Christina. And that's Laisha. No, I'm Laisha. I mean, no. <laughs> yes. I won't. Anyway, so apparently, I mean, no, I don't think apparently. Last week, I think we told you, or maybe we didn't, that we're going to have another second parter to our Princess First of the People. Parter. What? First parter. You've already done the Princess Diana stuff. I know. I'm saying this is our second parter to our first parter. Oh, God. This is. Wow, so um, this one's not going to be fun today, guys. This is what Christina's. Uh, we don't even know what we're doing. Anyway, so we're going to learn some more stuff about Princess Di. Okay, let me take it away because. Okay. Um, let me remind you that last week's episode and this week's episode, the information comes from all from me. I wrote every bit of this. Um, I did not. I copied and pasted every bit of this from wikipedia.com. That's a new one for this episode. Insider.com, Quora.com, mentalfloss.com, townandcountrymag.com, and smithsonianmag.com. Last episode, we left off with Diana's divorce. I know this podcast is loosely based on destination weddings, and today it's going to be loosely based on weddings. But I want to finish telling her story, and I think she deserves it. She divorced Charles and did everything she could to love her two boys, all while still continuing her work with charities and helping people who are, finger quotes, not as good as her. (laughs) You had this bitch for five minutes. I haven't even smoked out any ashes. So remember we talked about Camilla? Um, Camilla and Charles couldn't keep their trashy hands off of each other. They were cheating all the time. Allegedly trashy. Sorry. Um, Would not stop so much that they depressed one of the most beautiful souls to ever live. She decided to split. She decided to give up her royal name and her claim to the throne. And honestly, I don't blame her, especially learning, especially knowing what we've learned the past couple of years with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. That would be an entire other episode. If you don't know about them, you should really look it up. There's a lot more coming out about the royal family, like racism, sexism, strict rules, etc. That are absolutely ridiculously crazy. So, in 1989, in 1989, while she was still trying to make it work with Charles, she can uh, Diana confronted Camilla approaching her at a party and saying, I know what's going on between you and Charles, and I just want you to know that. Camilla responded with, you've got everything you ever wanted. You've got all the men in the world to fall in love with you, and you've got two beautiful children. What more do you want? Oh, God. As if everything, having everything makes it okay to steal somebody else's husband. Um... And then she, Diana retorted with, I want my husband. And then she said, I'm sorry I'm in the way, and it must be health 
hell for both of you. Like, this is what kind of person she is. She's like, but I knew what's, I do know what's going on. Don't treat me, treat me like an idiot. Um, now I'm going to go a little bit backwards to talk about the timeline, like continue back to the timeline of stuff. In June of 1992, Andrew, Andrew Morton's book, Diana, Her True Story, is released. The Princess of Wales had recorded multiple tapes for the freelance writer, and its publication shocked the world thanks to its explosive stories about Diana's jealousy over Charles' involvement with Camilla. Camilla. Questions arise about whether Charles could be queen. Queen, queen. Questions arise about whether Charles could be king if he were divorced and remarried. Under the strictures of the time, he wouldn't be allowed a second marriage in the Church of England, as the king is the secular head of the church. In December, Prime Minister John Major announces that Charles. Charles and Diana had officially separated. 1993, in January, a transcript of a suggestive, secretly recorded 1989 phone conversation between Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles is first published in an Australian magazine and a German tabloid. This post was known as Camilla Gate. The new... Um, British tabloids redact the most explicit and embarrassing elements of the private call. The news breaks only a month after transcripts of a secretly recorded call between Diana and a man named James Gilby, in which he calls her by the nickname Squidgy, were published. I don't, I mean, I don't know how to take that because I love her, so I don't know if that's true or... If, like, somebody's trying to make it up, but maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe she was having an affair as well. Anyway, in 1994, Prince Charles had allowed a documentary filmmaker to follow him for a year and a half in the hopes of repairing his reputation damaged by the stories of adultery. When the documentary airs, one portion has the opposite effect. The filmmaker, Jonathan Dimble. Dimbleby, Dimbleby, Dumbledore, <laughs> asks Charles if he was faithful, faithful and honorable. I crack myself up. During, so Dumbledore asks Charles if he was faithful and honorable during his marriage to Diana. <laughs> Charles says, yes, yes, until it became irretrievably broken down, us both, us both having tried. Really? I mean, but... It could be true. We don't know. Did. We weren't there. Yeah. I mean, people have affairs all the time. The prince also discusses Camilla calling her a great friend of mine, he said, and adds, she has been a friend for a very long time and will continue to be a friend for a very long time. In January, Camilla and Andrew Parker Bowles announced that they will divorce. Christina! Where the fuck are you? I'm doing a whole thing by myself. You can't even react. Yes! 
In January, Camilla and Andrew Parker Bowles announced that they will divorce. OMG. See? In November, Martin Bashir does a televised interview with Diana where he asks if Camilla was a factor in the breakdown of her marriage. She says sadly, well, there were three people. There were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. <gasps> wow. Isn't that so sad? Oh, Diana said that. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Camilla said that. No, okay. Diana said that. That's awful. In 1996, Charles and Diana's divorce is finalized. In 1997, shortly after Charles hosts a 50th birthday party for Camilla at his country home, Diana dies tragically in a car accident in Paris. As the world mourns the loss of the people's princess, Charles, along with Diana's sisters, flies to Paris to bring Diana's body back to England. I know I was reading this, but when I got to this one, and it was like, um, Diana dies tragically in a car accident in Paris, I was like, (gasps) what? I didn't even expect it. I was like, she dies? Oh, gosh. Um, So that was really shocking and sad (laughs) to relive that. Um, Charles, Prince Philip, Prince William, and Princess... Fuck. Princes William and Harry and Diana's brother walk in the funeral procession as mourners line the streets and pile flowers in front of Diana's residence at Kensington Palace. Due to the overwhelming outpouring of grief for Diana, Charles pauses his campaign to introduce to the public introduce the public to his relationship with Camilla. Well what a fucking That's a great, great time to do it. guy. <laughs> Thank you for waiting a week. In nineteen ninety eight Charles gradually resumes the process of legitimizing his relationship. He confirms a report in a British tabloid that Camilla met Prince William, and the papers speculate that she will meet Prince Harry soon as well. However, the Queen doesn't approve of the previously adulterous relationship and declined, declined to attend a private 50th birthday party for Charles because Camilla would be there. Oh, wow. In January, Charles throws a 50th birthday party for Camilla's sister at the Ritz Hotel in London. He, fun fact. What? I believe the Ritz Hotel in London is also where um, the friends stayed when they were in London. Oh, cool. So in January, Charles throws a 50th birthday party for Camilla's sister at the Ritz Hotel in London. He and Camilla arrive separately, but leave the party together in full view of crowds of reports and photographer reporters and photographers ready to ca- capture them appearing in public together for the first time. Later that year, she and Charles vacation in Greece with Princes William and Harry. Oh, because now he's got the kids, so Camilla actually raised them. I didn't even think about that. I mean, really, did they end up together? Well, how? Yeah, they're together now okay. today. How old were the kids? I don't know. Hey, Siri. How old were Charles... How old were Prince Harry and William when Charles and Camilla got married? 
Okay, I found this on the web for how old were Charles, how old were Prince Harry and William when Charles and Camilla got married. Check it out. Yeah, they were. They were like 12. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, so. They're raised. They're already raised by then. Okay, go ahead. Charles and Camilla still face the hurdle of getting the Queen's official approval. At last, she accepts an invitation to an event at Highgrove, a 60th birthday party for the King of Greece, knowing Camilla would be there. It's interpreted as a sign that she accepts a relationship. The couple move into, the, into Clarence House. The royal family make it known that British taxpayer money won't be used to decorate Camilla's rooms. How embarrassing would that be? Yeah. Um, but also, this bitch knew that the guy that she was sleeping with was married this yeah. whole time. So, in 2005, in February, Charles and Camilla announced their engagement 35 years after they first met. On April 8th, they marry in a civil ceremony with Prince William as the best man. The queen does not attend the wedding, but does go to the reception afterward. In order to have Diana remain as the only princess of Wales, Camilla gains the title Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cornwall. Um, here's just a couple of stupid facts about their wedding. They had a lot of support from fans in the public, which I don't understand. I feel like a lot of time, maybe I'm sensitive. Cheaters, probably. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, I just feel like somebody dies and people always forget the dead person after like a year or so. Yeah. Um, they had to change their wedding location because the venue they chose announced it right after they booked it. What did I just say? No idea. Sure, just try. They something about the wedding. <laughs> People who was what were you talking about? Who was supported the wedding? <laughs> so Charles and Camilla actually had to change their wedding location because the venue they initially chose announced it right after they booked it on the uh, steps so of, on the steps of the palace. Oh wow. And that's like a, a no no. Like you don't do that if you're working. Push pause. Push pause. Push pause. Okay. Okay, okay. What is it? I think it might be a butterfly. Okay, we're recording again. Um, so I looked up some royal wedding traditions and some of these are really cool. This, uh, there's a tradition that is just known, like, I don't know, it's about the tomb of the unknown warrior, which I only know a little bit about. Um, this tradition was started by the queen mother, then Lady Elizabeth Bell's lion way back in 1923 upon entering Westminster Abbey for her marriage to future King George VI, she paused beside the Abbey's famous tomb of the unknown warrior where she laid her flowers before proceeding down the aisle without her bouquet. She made the gesture, gesture to commemorate 
commemorate the death of her brothers, Fergus, and other servicemen who lost their lives or were injured in World War One. The tradition has since altered somewhat, as many royal brides since have laid their flowers at the tomb upon leaving rather than enter as many royal brides have since laid their flowers at the tomb upon leaving rather than entering the abbey. Mm. That's a nice yeah. little thing though. That's right. Nice. I feel like keeping your bouquet though is a little bit I mean there's no point in having a bouquet if you're not gonna carry it in the wedding or whatever. But maybe I mean you're royal. Just get two bouquets. But then is that making that's not making the same statement I said. I mean, you know what I mean? But leaving it at the end of the I wedding the isn't. Beginning. I mean, I, that's my. I would, so it would be up to whoever. But I would at the beginning. And I would at the beginning I too. A, because I was honoring my brother, so I'd rather have no pictures with him. Right. Well, yeah, that's too. But even if it wasn't my brother, I would do it. But I mean, but it's because it's a really nice. I'm not a soldier, but she also said, and also in honor of her people, brother. Right. Too, you know what I mean? Okay. So I think going without it and then having the picture of it on there would be, because the bouquet is going to be pretty on there. And before you right. get there. You know. Right, yeah. The Royal Marriages Act of 1772 requires all royal descendants to seek the sovereign's approval, bef- approval for marriage. But the requirements don't stop there. The 1701 Act of Settlement prohibits royals from marrying Catholics. Royals may be legally wed lo, royals may legally wed an atheist or someone of any faith other than <laughs> Well <laughs> Don't what is going on in Roman Catholicism? That's what I want to know. L- listen. Blink twice if you need us to call the police. <laughs> if you are married to a Roman Catholic, <laughs> go away. It's really cheap to go to London right now. Um, okay. In 2008, the Queen's eldest grandchild, Peter Phillips, had Autumn Kelly converted from Roman Catholicism to Angel... Anglicanism so her husband would keep his place as 11th in the line for the throne. Okay. So you can, I don't, I wonder why that is. Um, and this isn't the first time I'm reading this. I I wondered also when I read it the the first time. (laughs) Soon after Will and Kate's engagement was announced, that's Prince William and Kate, Kate Middleton, yeah. who is beautiful. Um, well, soon after Will and Kate's engagement, engagement was announced, officials from Buckingham Palace said that the Queen was absolutely, absolutely delighted for the couple, which can only mo- mean she approved of Will's choice. She also apparently took to Meghan Markle, as sources reported, that Harry, too, followed protocol and asked her majesty's permission to wed his now wife and the queen bestowed her blessing there has been much speculation about markle's religious background and many publications have falsely reported 
that Markle is Jewish because of his two-year marriage to Trevor Ingelson, a Jewish producer from 2011 to 13. While we're unsure of Markle's beliefs, we're assuming the couple is well aware of the law and we're hoping it's a non-issue. <laughs> so this was written, I think, like two years ago or maybe three it was definitely, obviously, for those of you who know anything about pop culture, not Christina. Yeah. Um, so to keep, catch you up on this, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry have actually left the royal family. Uh, they, she did, I didn't never know. I always see her, but they left the royal family. Why? Yeah, because racism. Um. He, because I think she's mixed, but she, whatever it is, she's black, like she's has black, I think she has black and Puerto Rican. I don't know. Anyway, she's not completely white, like a British person, like a good British person should be. She, um, there was a report, this is alleged, but there was, um, Meghan Markle and I believe it and I stand by her, that the queen asked Harry if he was worried about how dark their baby was going to come out because she was worried about it. And that, so that kind of stuff. Um, so they now live, I believe, but I mean, between she didn't say, I'm worried about it or... I'm not gonna like it if the baby. I mean, so he's, I mean, I don't. It was the way it was presented, this, and there was like a ton of other stuff. You, I know, but there's an Oprah just, special you should watch. Okay, but could you, I'm just saying, you know, I'm always so blind. Couldn't she have just been because like, and, and not worried about it because it, not, because when people have like mixed babies and stuff, like especially if the mom's white, like people are ugly, and so maybe I mean I'm just saying it could have been. Yes, and because of that. As far as racism goes, um, England is very far behind, much farther behind than we as a country are. And as we all know, right. we're pretty behind too. So I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm taking up for the but queen. But it was. I'm taking up for the queen. No, absolutely. <laughs> we, we can allow, we can give a little bit of allowance, but there also is a lesson well, to be learned. Yeah, and she left the... Um, they left the family, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, and they're living in Canada now, I believe. And he's started, I don't know. They're doing a lot of charity work and stuff. And they're, um, I don't know, the full story. But that's part of it. Um, So really, it doesn't matter anymore what she is. If she is Catholic, yeah. like, it's none of the queen's business. Not to say that we don't love the Queen. Please sponsor us. I will be there next month at this time. If we, you would like to meet, I would love to sit down with a meeting. Um, you're beautiful. I love all your hats. <laughs> but don't be racist. <laughs> but if it helps, I am white. <laughs> but it better not fucking help because that's true. Okay. The most traditional site for a royal ceremony is the Chapel Royal at St. James Palace, which housed the weddings of Queen Anne in 1683. Holy shit. Um, George III in 1761. George IV in 1795. Queen Victoria in 1840. And George V in 1893. 
More recent royal couples have since outgrown the small chapel, which seats 100, as the ceremonies have become more of a public spectacle. Yeah. Totally. English brides are accompanied by a group of bridesmaids, usually younger girls between the ages of 10 and 12. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Bridesmaids between the ages of 10 and 12. Um, The queen had... The current queen had eight bridesmaids and Diana had five, all ranging in the age from in an age between five to 17. Kate's bridal party, Kate Middleton's bridal party was even younger, including Grace Van Cutson, who is Will's grand goddaughter, and Eliza Lobes, who is Camilla's granddaughter, both toddling down the aisle at age three. And then Lady Louise Windsor, Will's cousin, who was seven, and Margarita Armstrong Jones, Will's second cousin, who was eight. In a major break with tradition, Kate chose a maid of honor, her sister Pippa, who is currently the oldest bridesmaid in recent memory at the ancient age of 27. Wow. <laughs> you may remember the buzz surrounding Pippa's decision not to employ Kate as her maid of honor, matron of honor. Princess Charlotte and Prince George, though, served as a flower girl and page boy, a young attendant who traditionally carries the train of the bride's dress, respectfully. Prince William's page boys included his godson's Tom, okay, the son of Will's, and the son of Will's secretary. Prince Harry acted as best man for his older brother, and Harry has now returned the ask with one of his own, which that's now passed, and he was. For her part, Meghan Markle decided not to have a maid of honor. The remaining ten members of the couple's bridal party are, are all under the age of eight and include godchildren of both Harry and Meghan, the kids of friends, and of course Prince George and Princess Charlotte. At an event... As exclusive as a royal wedding, the guest list is everything. Fellow royals, foreign leaders, church officials, diplomats, celebrities, dot the list, along with the couple's own friends and family. The royal family sits on the right side of the church, unless the groom is not royal, in which case they sit on the left. By the queen's command, 1,900 invitations went out to Will and Kate's wedding guests. Including to their friends from St. Andrews University, but notably excluding Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. The celebrity—I don't know what that's about. The celebrity <laughs> attendees for their nuptials included David and Victoria Beckham, Elton John, Guy Ritchie, Josh Stone, while Pippa and James counted counted Roger Federer as one of their wedding guest list VIPs. I don't know who that is. Yeah. So I think that you don't win this one. Peppa. Peppa. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Male guests are expected to wear military uniforms, morning dress, which is a single-breasted coat with tails, or lounge suits, lounge suits, which is what Americans consider a business suit. <laughs> That's funny. Family attire is less specifically outlined, though. 
hats or fascinators are a must. English brides lead the processional down the aisle with their bridesmaids in tow, unescorted by ushers who stand at the front of the church with the groom. Will and Kate select, selected the 32-person choir of Westminster Abbey, the Chapel Royal Choir, the 39 musicians of the London Chamber Orchestra, <laughs> and the Central Band of the Royal Air Force to perform various selections, including March from the Birds by Sir Charles, Hubert Hastings Perry, Fantasia on Greensleeves by Ralph Vaughan yeah. Williams, and Romance for String Orchestra by Gerald Finzi. Like... That's crazy. Don't you think one you could find one band that would be able to do all three? Right. Kate walked down the aisle to I Was Glad by Sir, Sir Charles Hubert Hastings Perry. Some royal wedding staples have been Mendelssohn's Wedding March, the hymn The Lord is My Shepherd, and Wider's Toccata from Oregon Symphony Number no. 5 which was a, the recessional piece at Edward's and Sophie, Edward and Sophie's wedding. I'm almost done, I promise. Some of this is starting to get him, um, annoying. Will and Kate exchanged traditional vows with one exception. Back in 1999, Sophie, Countess of Wex, Wessex, caused an uproar for promising to honor, cherish, and obey Prince Edward and the newest royal couple wanted to avoid repeating this public relations nightmare. Instead, they vowed to love, comfort, honor, and keep each other, which I love so much more. Mm -hmm. And speaking of royal drama, the Daily Mail originally reported that for her wedding, Pippa Middleton would be enforcing a no-ring-no-bring policy, meaning... Meghan Markle wouldn't be allowed to attend as Prince Harry's plus one. What? I guess if he hadn't engaged yet or Uh. married. Oh, meanwhile, other news outlets alleged it was Harry and Markle's call to have her sit out the ceremony in order to keep the attention on Pippa. Instead, Markle arrived at the reception, so she didn't even go to her sister's ceremony. Wow. Where, per strict seating chart typical for private formal dinners in Great Britain, she was seated away from her date. Wow. What the fuck? Most British weddings are held at noon and are followed by a seated luncheon called a wedding breakfast, basically a brunch. The Queen's Luncheon was held in the ball supper room at Buckingham Palace for a small party as was Diana's for about 120 guests. Following Will and Kate's 11 a.m. ceremony, 600 guests joined the new couple at the palace for a buffet-style wedding breakfast hosted by the queen. The canapé menu was created by Chef Mark Flanagan. Later in the evening, 300 of the couple's closest friends and family enjoyed a dinner and dance in another one of the palace's staterooms. So, they had an early morning wedding, then a brunch, then a dinner. And then a dinner reception. Nap? They probably, I mean, as the royal family, they probably have, like, all the activities with, like, rooms and or whatever if you want to nap or change or do whatever, cool. or take shower. 
or you like, have to change everybody has to change everybody has to change you can't wear what you wore in the morning oh, at God. night for certainly not at a royal event those right. are two completely different dress codes so every three different events like a wedding the brunch and then the thing you think i would think they probably all wore the same thing to brunch that they wore to the ceremony I <laughs> i'll let you know i'll be in london next month so i'll know everything by then the reception also included two cakes, one multi-tiered fruit cake, the traditional royal wedding choice, and one chocolate biscuit cake at the request of Will. At 1.25 p.m., the new, newlyweds appeared on Buckingham Palace balcony to share a public kiss, a tradition begun by Charles and Diana. Usually, the royal couple then jets off to a honeymoon destination, but Kate and Will stuck around for the above-mentioned private dinner and night of dancing at the palace host hosted by the Prince of Wales. Pimple Middleton and James Matthews celebrated their reception at the Middleton family home in Buckleberry, where their guests needed a previously determined password to make it through security. <laughs> The Middleton Estate hosts a glass greenhouse in the property's garden where 350 guests can comfortably party, party inside. That sounds really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Attendees later received monogrammed marshmallow treats as, a, as wedding favors. That's cute. Courtesy of James Middleton, Pippa, and Kate's older brother who owns his own sweets company. <laughs> um, it's called Boomf, if you want to look it up. B-O-O-M-F. M as in monkey, F as in fuck. He reportedly provided personalized cupcakes for Kate and William's wedding as well. Harry and Meghan Markle also enjoyed not one, but two receptions. A lunchtime version, so here's your question answered about what they did in between. A lunchtime version hosted by Queen Elizabeth inside Windsor Castle at St. George's Hall and another hosted by Charles, Prince Charles in the evening at Frogmore House, which featured a festival theme. Markle plan, planned to make history by defying tradition to give a speech dedicated to her groom, a feat that no royal bride has ever done before. With a few exceptions, women who marry royal male successors assume their husband's titles. The Duke and Duchess of York, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, etc. The most notable exception is, of course, Camilla, who adopted the title Duchess of Cornwall instead of the Princess of Wales, out of respect for Diana. If Prince Charles becomes king... Camilla will be the princess consort, not Queen Camilla. Oh, wow. That makes me feel good about that. Yeah, too. Me too. Um, Prince, and also, I just hope he doesn't ever become (laughs) king. But unfortunately, the queen is getting old. (laughs) Prince William and Kate became the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. As James Matthew is heir to the Scottish title title of Laird of Glen Affric, a position currently held by his father, who owns the family's 10,000-acre Scottish Highlands estate. Pippa will eventually become Lady Glen Affric. Until then, the royal in-law has been deemed Mrs. Matthews of Glen Affric, the younger 
though she is not formally required to use either of these names. Beginning with the wedding of the Queen's late mother in 1923, all of the royal women's wedding bands have contained, this is really interesting, they have contained precious Welsh gold from the same nugget mined on Dalgalaw, North Wales, a variety of gold that's three times more valuable than gold from Australia or South Africa. While the while the traditional nugget is almost depleted, the queen has since been presented with another large nugget for subsequent wedding bands, including that of Sarah, Duchess of York, Kate, and Meghan Markle. Will has decided not to wear a wedding ring. His, father's Char his father, Charles, is one of the few male royals today who wears a band in addition to his signet ring, but Will says he personally just isn't one for jewelry. But we do know Harry is one is one for jewelry. He himself designed the gold engagement ring he gave Meghan Markle that features a center. This sounds so fucking beautiful. It, um, I haven't seen it though. It features a center diamond from Botswana. Yes, that was where the couple vacationed for Markle's birthday. Being flanked by two diamonds that belong to his mother, Princess Diana. Aww. So a big ring in the middle, probably similar to a three stone, but it's way, probably way prettier than that. And there were like the gold means something because Aww. it's family gold and all three of the diamonds mean something. That's just so thoughtful. Hiring a professional to capture the history-making moments of a royal wedding has understandably always been of the utmost importance. According to Royal.uk, the first photograph royals were King Edward VII and Queen Alexandra. Fun fact, at that time, the images came out monochrome, so they were black and white, and were often hand-colored, like painted. Wow to look like paintings instead of photographs. Isn't that cool? Prince Harry, to me, it's cool. Prince Harry and cool. Megan. Well, you should have answered quicker. I did. I just shook my head. I forgot we're recording. We're recording. We need to air our voice. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle selected the notable NYC-based portrait photographer Alexei Lubomirsky to be their official photographer for their royal wedding after loving his work on their engagement photos so that's all i have that was that last little bit was my last ditch effort to add in some wedding information stuff and i think Thank it was you so good. much it was interesting not as interesting as last week for some reason but so thanks for listening thanks to for destination that. wedding pod if you would like to get your story on the air or if you're the queen and you want to meet us um, you can email us at hello at destinationweddingpod.com. McQueen, you can probably just get a hold of my number somewhere. <laughs> I'll be there from the 7th through the 17th, so we have plenty of time. Yes, thank you so much. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.